You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors' sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, hey, motherfuckers. I am surrounded by snakes and fucking morons! Uh, if it is to be said, so it be, so it is. Get down! Bore on the floor! Bore on the floor! Candle, ring the troops! Bore on the floor! Bore on the floor! Bore on the floor! Bore on the floor! I'm not saying I would make a better CEO. That's unsaid. It's not unsaid when you say it. But I think this is the day his reign ends. A oh, fuck off. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next, postwrestling.com, wherever you found your podcast. And this is a special free ed- edition of a show we call The Sesh. Yes, this is our weekly succession review. And we've come to the end of season three. Season three, episode nine, All the Bells Say. And because it's a big, big episode, I can't just do it with one other guest. I need two this week. So coming back from week one of the show, the guy who kicked it all off, our man, Neil Flanagan. Neil, how are you doing? Really well, Davey. Thank you very much for having me back. And it's a particular pleasure to be with the person you're about to introduce because we've never done a podcast before. Absolutely. Yes, well, coming up next from the Grapple Spotlight is JP Houlihan. JP, how's it going? Oh, very well. And all the better for speaking to you guys. And it's, yeah, it's amazing that me and Neil have never been on a podcast together. So really looking forward to it. We were, we were talking a bit of fantasy league before we, we got recording as well, because he's, he's having a cracking year, regardless of the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm just delighted to be back on and talking about the best program on TV. Let's just say that. It really is. Uh, it's always quite strange when you when you kind of podcast with someone for the first time who you've mm. listened to a lot because you feel like you already know each other a lot of the time because, uh, yeah, just uh, 
we often share quite a bit about our opinions and just like life in general on these shows. So, uh, Neil, you just had your uh, Postmarks show come up uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, which is awesome on the post wrestling feed. And uh, JP, obviously, every week with uh, with Benno and Gareth uh, on the Grapple Spotlight. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about succession. I think both of us, uh, all of us, um, when we've spoken, have been pretty positive about the show. Neil, haven't spoken to you since episode one of this season. Um, like, how have you felt of this this season as a whole now? It's all wrapped up. It's been wonderful. Um, I feel like, um, you know, several newspapers, you know, do a blog on episode by episode and so on. And they, without irony, are calling it the best show on television at the moment. I think that that's hard justified. to argue with. Mm. Very justified. And I feel like this season, I mean, we talked about episode one um, and it was terrific at how good it was. And there was an element of moving the chess pieces into position for the story to come. But it's just gone from strength to strength. And what a finale. Yeah. And I got to say for myself, like going back to kind of week one, this isn't where I saw it going at all. Um, it's it, we kind of the uh, the stuff with the DOJ kind of just faded away where you realize Kendall's attempts are getting weaker and weaker and and Kendall just a slow self-destruction this season. Whereas I, I, I felt like this was all lamping up to kind of Kendall getting his juice back, maybe some of the getting mm-hmm. the family on his side and really having a head to head with Logan. Um, that's not what we got. Um, but uh, JP, maybe some highlights of this season, any any standouts um, from the, uh, this year of succession? Oh God! Um, oh, some of the standout moments from this year. Um, I loved. I suppose yeah. one of the things I would say is um, just the way that the world, in and of itself, has kind of like opened up. So I really enjoyed the scenes with like Adrian Brody and Alexander Sarsgaard kind of coming into the mix as these kind of tech billionaires who still seem like they're kind of in thrall of, of kind of like Logan Roy. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've, I'm trying to think of, of like individual scenes pinpoint. There's a lot of sort of Greg stuff when I think of the stuff that's kind of the most entertaining, like even mm. if it's Greg, talk, Greg talking to the Contessa this week or Greg doing terrible chat lines and the, and the like, I think for me, it's, it's, it's one of the shows like it's, it's almost like the saving grace of it is each week. And then when you went going back and rewatching, this is realizing the sign of the true greatness is you go back and rewatch, you're picking up more every single time, but also looking through the series, just like the kind of flows of, of the ups and downs. They're not overly kind of dramatic, even though they work dramatically. So I don't know, for me, this has been a, like a, a kind of like a, a roller coaster ride in the best possible way. I think what's great about this show as well is it does have tremendous rewatchability. And I, I'm sure when, when season four is announced and we know that start date's coming up, I know I'm going to want to rewatch everything because there are so many uh, lines that kind of have callbacks later on, either foreshadowing or, or things where you don't realize uh, e- even today, just like Kerry just passing Logan a, a smoothie, which you don't really think anything of. And then coming later kind of, Connor saying what this smoothie is and then with the final image of Logan just cutting off his children completely and the 
the thoughts that maybe he's wanting to start a new family and have a new kid because his other ones are all fuckers. Um, it, it's these little details that you don't really pick up on at all until you rewatch it. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, to going right back to the beginning with this one. Yeah. Can I, can I just chip in and say, like, I think my favorite uh, moment, it's not really a moment. It's probably half the episode was, um, Kendall's 40th birthday. I mean, oh. it, it, it just swung from so cringeworthy. You're watching it through your fingers, you know, with his, his quote set that he's rehearsing mm. to do with the, the, the Billy Joel song and the, 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 the mock crucifixion that he has planned. And then just moments of complete high comedy when uh, Greg and Tom are walking through this ridiculous um, is it the compliment compliments? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Someone, some guy in the, in the head says to Tom, you're full of grace. And he just freaks out. You know, <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? Um, you know, and you're rolling on the floor laughing. It's just, I, I don't know of a show that's as well written as that. Mm. Uh, that's a good point. Thinking back to that birthday episode, no Naomi at this wedding. Like the mm. fact that Ken, Kendall's gone on his own, uh, not with Naomi Pierce, his girlfriend is, uh, is kind of interesting because she was certainly there for him at the end of that birthday when he was, he seemed to be at one of his lowest points ever in the series. And um, yeah, so, so interesting. Naomi wasn't there for this one. Um, I was thinking about that and, and it kind of made me think in that kind of world of, you know, if you're a billionaire and you're in that kind of elite of society, the relationships you have are going to feel like they're kind of fleeting like people are going to be off kind of almost doing their own things and, and people will be on and off based on the kind of most incidental of things. So it kind of didn't surprise me rather like when we were speaking about it on the, on the show I was on before about like the kind of alcohol and drug addiction um, that uh, Kendall's going through as just being a kind of common template throughout of that's where he is in terms Mm. of his head. So some ways when a character like that disappears, I'm like kind of thinking, oh, there, there'll be a reasoning, but this person will come back because they won't, you know that they won't have just forgotten about them and they just sort of disappear into the ether. Absolutely. And and a lot of the characters are, you only ever have kind of on the other end of a phone. You don't necessarily see like, um, is it Laird in this one that, uh, that Shiv is trying to get contact with one of the financiers who we've seen a bunch, but it's only just his name thrown out there that just showing... These people all do still exist uh, in the greater world. Um, I talked to uh, to Brandon Thurston last week about the uh, the New Yorker article. I, did it, either of you get a chance to read it? The uh, on Jeremy Strong. I haven't. No, I did uh, get to read it. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, your thoughts on that, because I know there's a lot of uh, kind of people coming at JP. Are you aware of the the article at all? This is about Jeremy Strong's kind of. Ultra method acting style, right? And the intensity, yeah, exactly. Um, and you, you kind of brought it up, Neil, uh, on on the first episode of him being being a method actor. But it's I'm finding it very interesting now. The different um, people in the world kind of coming out. Uh, Aaron Sorkin has like uh, spoken up, um, just saying like, no, it's just he's he's dedicated. He's a dedicated actor. Same with mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain and um, Anne Hathaway, I believe, has spoken up about him, but. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on that article, Neil. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had a, a 
a few people making fun as well, you know, but, uh, and I think a lot of the people you just mentioned, like Garen Sorkin and Jessica Chastain, were coming to his defense because you could come away from reading that article thinking this is an insanely selfish guy. You know, he doesn't care about his scene partners. He won't rehearse with them before the cameras roll in, in some cases. And, uh, you know, it's it's nice to hear the rebuttal from some of the directors and actors that he's worked with mm-hmm. that say, Jeremy's a lovely guy. He has his way of doing it. And that's that's that. Um, I couldn't help but feel, um, and you can speak to this, Davey, because, I mean, you're trained in acting and you've performed. Um, so you, you'll have a perspective that I can't bring to this. But, of course, my, my thought was, if every actor followed this process, nothing would ever get made because obviously, you know, you can't separate yourself from the rest of the, all of the cast can't separate themselves from one another. So mm. it's, it's an interesting one. Um, he doesn't, he is a terrific actor. He's a, his performances are, are stunning, but to me, they're not head and shoulders above Sarah Snook or uh, Kieran Culkin or, um, Brian Cox, who are you know more traditional, you know, uh, well, what is a more traditional? Learn your lines, get get into character, understand your motivation. All the, you know better than me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a million different ways to do something, right? And and I, I've always seen it. At the end of the day, it's um, it's the audience. What is the audience getting out of it? And Sometimes it's you can see someone on stage or on TV or a film or whatever, and they're just it's a term we use, they're just masturbating on stage, you know, they're they're getting themselves off on on the scene, whereas you might, as an audience member, not feel a thing. And someone else might on camera stick an onion to their eye just before a scene where they gotta cry. And you could have me break down in tears watching it because I think it's an incredible performance mm. where no, they're faking it. They're just, it, it's at the end of the day, it, it's what does the audience get from it? And, and I do get an incredible performance from Jeremy strong and that's just his way of doing it, his process to get there. Other people can just learn their lines or, or there's, there's loads of different techniques you can use uh, within acting um, to, to get something. But then I'd say on the other um there was like the Jared Leto uh, performance in Suicide Squad where he's he's like sending his castmates like dead rats and use condoms and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you kind of sucked in that film. So that's yeah. just, you were a dick and it for no reason and it didn't work. And I, yeah. I think with, for me, uh, as an actor, I'd find it incredibly frustrating if um, if another actor doesn't want to necessarily rehearse the scene with me if I feel I need that rehearsal. And you, you could see that in, in wrestling as well. Wrestlers who, oh, we'll call it in the ring. Um, no, I, I kind of want to go through things. What are we going to do? Oh, we'll, we'll call it in the ring. You, you can see from both sides how that would be frustrating. But with, with Kendall Roy, especially in this season, he's so detached from everyone else in that mm. show. He really is on an island the whole time. I think it kind of works and, and reading sort of the quotes from Kieran Culkin, where it seems like he was a little frustrated because he he maybe wanted those rehearsals and things. Um, But you can see that in the performance, you can see Kendall always seems separated. You can see 
Roman is like, oh, this this dickhead all the time. But moving forward into season four, at the end of this one, the three very much seem the most united they ever have in the defeat, in their father winning here. Um, they finally seem like a trio of, of siblings who have their differences, but they do love each other. And if they are going to be more of a unit moving forwards, will that rehearsal technique necessarily work as much? Does he need to start spending more time with them and that kind of thing? That was the point I was I was just thinking of raising there, that the fact that the dynamic has changed for next season, that I kind of looked at it, and I think the wrestling analogy really works, where you need people who are like that effectively in order to make your kind of card interesting and add something to it. So if everyone is rehearsing and the process is the same for everyone, you know, is it going to rely, is it going to in a kind of uniformity of performance? And um, I haven't read the article for it, but it did make me wonder, like, was he like that in the first season? as well is this something that they were looking back or is it just really for how they coped with season three and I, I will go and read it now as a result of it um I did see some of the kind of backlash to it but then I've also read other pieces on Jeremy Strong where you know he lives out in Copenhagen he isn't someone who, who he kind of eschews that traditional American actor life anyway and and so I can imagine that that to a degree might play into you know sort of how he um looks at acting as well but ultimately, as, as you said um, there, Dave, it's, it relies on how the audience react and the audiences are loving it. So yeah, you would absolutely. kind of say, don't change it then in that case. No, this appears to be working. Well, shall we get into the episode itself? It's the season three finale, All the Bells Say. And we open with Logan, uh, who's reading to, uh, to Kendall's kids here. And it's it's a children's book. And he questions if the if the boy is is perhaps too uh, too old for this. Have they ever specified what the, the kid has, like uh, autism or something, we assume, yeah. right? Um, and he just says, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I still like it. And um, Logan asks if he's okay and says, your dad's going to be okay. So we're assuming the final image from last week of Kendall kind of face down in the pool, um, that the family know about this and we've kind of moved on and uh, he's going to be all right, but obviously they're worried about him. He then receives a phone call and yells for Jerry and we pan to the rest of the family playing Monopoly. Uh, Tom ironically picks up a get out of jail free card um, and then uh, decides to leave the game. Uh, Willa catches Shiv cheating. Um, it, it's like as they're playing the game, all the, all the little moves are very kind of... Uh, representative of the characters we've seen throughout the, the three seasons so far. And then Comfrey shows up uh, to tell them that Kendall is coming and uh, they tell her that they appreciate what she did. Um, and she was the one that actually found Kendall in the pool and he was kept in the hospital overnight, but he's going to be fine. Um, so yeah, interesting way kind of just in, in talking about, like we, we learned pretty much straight away what happened at the end of the last episode. Cause I know a lot of people going has has Kendall just died here. What What's happened? Yeah. I, I find one thing about the beginning of the, this episode I found slightly jarring is the sort of timeline. I, I'm not sure it was ever really specified how long they're meant to be in Tuscany for their mother's wedding. Hmm. Whether the wedding itself was delayed at all by the events with Kendall in the swimming pool, it it had the feeling of some time has passed 
since we since we saw a candle on the you know floating into the water. Um, I'm guessing it was just a, a couple of days, you know. But it, I did I did feel slightly jarred, and then I saw um, I noticed that Jerry seemed to have had her hair cut, and I, I, I just started questioning: have they had they have they been back to America and then come back to Italy again? Or, you know, I, I was a wee bit discombobulated. It could well have been the filming schedule or something like that, or it could just be me. But, um, yeah, it was just a, an observation about the beginning of the episode, from my point of view anyway. Well, she just found a nice Italian hairdresser, maybe. Indeed. To, to look yeah, nice for the wedding. Yeah. Probably a team of them. Kendall shows up and and everyone's being nice to him. Uh, he doesn't want to song and dance about what happened. He was like, it was nothing. I just had far too many limoncellos and fell off the, the lilo there. Um, and then he says that he doesn't want, he's going to grab his kids and go home because he doesn't want them to stay with Logan. And that he started talking to some new lawyers and they're talking about the next strategy and that he's going to publish all the papers on Instagram and Vanity Fair are doing a thing on him. It, it almost feels like he's trying to play the Logan, uh, sorry, the Kendall from the beginning of this season, but there's no emotion in his voice. He's completely uh, feels just defeated, an empty shell of a man, but he's still trying to do these big things like posting on his Insta and, and, and publish everything on Vanity Fair. Um, yeah. Uh, JP, what did you make of Kendall, uh, at the beginning here following his potential suicide attempt. Well, it was, yeah. And I agree with Neil. I was kind of slightly with, with the time frame because I did read there was stuff like it was, it was only, only meant to be a day or two days, which, but at the same time, it did feel like it was like he'd been away for a little while. I thought overall, and this ties back to the earlier conversation we're having about Jeremy Strong, like the way that he played this scene was kind of like, pitch perfect I thought in terms of like being distant but at the same time the false kind of bravado and then you have his assistant saying well he's contacting them more than there as as you're kind of seeing his like what he realizes decline into irrelevance and his kind of isolation from everybody else Roman had a great line was it Kurt was it the Kurt Cobain of the flotillas I think he uh (laughs) he, he describes him as um which you know as as is uh as is Roman's want. So I thought, yeah, this was very good. I thought the fact they're all playing Monopoly kind of then at the, with the events that happened at the very end made me kind of think, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that they're playing by this kind of set of rules, but they just don't realize that the person they're up against is going to tip over the Monopoly board at any point. So yeah, I thought it was, it, it was good. I, I enjoyed the, um, I can't remember her name. The, is it Carrie? The, um, who, who's with, um, Logan and she's Harry, bringing him his, yeah, yeah bring, bringing him his smoothie and <laughs> uh, yeah, just sort of mention that up and, and, and saying that she's going to get a couple of, uh, she'll, get, she'll get a kid's menu for Roman as well, which you could tell it kind of hurt him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jerry shows up and says, Gojo's boards are maybe considering other options rather than this merger. Uh, so Roman says, I'll go figure it out. I get along with Madsen. Uh, Logan says he's going to go and Roman's like, can I go as well? And he's Logan says, no, stay here and play with your dick and just shoots him down. So Shiv offers to go instead. And Logan's like, ah, actually, no, I was joking. Roman, Roman, you, you come. Um, continuing. Yes. Pretty much since he made uh, Shiv president, he's just been kicking her to the curb all the time. And uh, knowing that this uh, sort of him and Roman, the little double act, doesn't 
doesn't play well with her. So, so Roman and Logan go off uh, to see Madsen. And uh, as they're on the boat, um, so where is Madsen? He just happens to live in Tuscany as well, or he's gone over on this deal? Or I assumed he bought places all around the world because he's kind of bored and he right. can do. Fair yeah, enough. It's it's not clear. I, I, I feel like um, they're they're just sort of saying, well, they're in Europe and he's Swedish, so he must be somewhere yeah. close by. You know? <laughs> it's <laughs> just a very convenient little speedboat trip away from this wedding that this guy happens to have a whole house yeah. and everything. Very convenient. Although so I guess, I mean, this guy is supposed to be almost an Elon Musk sort of character. Like, I don't know whether he's got, he's meant to have that level of wealth, but he's super rich. So him owning a private island, um, you know, somewhere near Italy is, is not, mm. it's not out of the realms of, you know, what's believable. I think it's the nature of this program that it kind of like, you know, if this was, I always think about to kind of Game of Thrones and the way that like the time element just kind of went out the window towards the end and people like me were really angry about it. But for some reason with this, because I assume that everyone is so ultra wealthy, you can just get a house in Tuscany for shits and giggles for two million and just go, why not? I'll yeah. stay here. I may stay here once every three, four years, but they can own it. So he did, for some reason, I, I personally can happily go along with it. Whereas I'm questioning whether to get like Dolmio or the home brand of tomato <laughs> yeah. sauce, you know? So Logan and Roman are on the boat and uh, Logan says to Roman, hey, Kerry, good looking woman right there. And then starts questioning Roman, asks if he has a problem and says, if you need to get straightened out, go and get straightened out. I don't want to know about it, but sort your fucking self out here. Um, and interesting, when they, they arrive at Madsen's, I noticed on, on second watch that uh, Logan, as he's getting off the boat, Roman's just there offering his hand to help pull him up. Mm-hmm. But he just goes with like the, the guy who's driving the boat to pull him up. So so Logan very much distancing himself from Roman, um, considering like the, the few episodes before they've been pretty close and it, it looked like he's the one that Logan's finally like, ah, that's the kid I want to go with. So yeah, go for it, JP. I, I, know, I was just going to say, it's it's like the ramifications of a dick pic go kind of like <laughs> far and wide, really, don't you? Which should be a warning to everyone listening to this, really, uh, as much as anything. But it's, it's, I just think at that point when he saw that, he just went, he's not, he's never going to be a serious person because he's doing this kind of stuff. And at that point, it's just like, you know, he knows how to play him. But at the mm. same time, it's like, you know, he's just like, well, I can't trust you with it because you're going to do something fucking daft. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Logan um, just is of a generation that does not, could not understand how anyone could do this, even though yeah. in the previous episode, he says, we probably invented the term, you know, uh, because it is this tabloid empire and what have you. But um, yeah, it's it's clearly something that has bothered and he just he just wants Roman to sort of have a normal girlfriends and you know of of his of his own age and yeah. Logan cuts right to the chase and asks Madsen, "Look, are we doing this deal or not? Like, what's going on here?" Uh, Madsen brings up something that Mark Zuckerberg said to him, and this was about the ancient Roman Empire where they made all the slaves wear cloaks. And in giving them these cloaks, the 
the slaves realized that they actually outnumbered them and and rallied together. Um, so yeah, which is is very kind of a big metaphor to the final scene, I would say, of this episode with the the slaves being the kids rallying together here uh, to take down the the emperor. Um, but he says they they're going to need a load of little folk under them. Um, and that uh, Waystar doesn't have the technology. And Logan says, yes, but we do have the content and it's the content you need. Um, so Madsen says, look, I think for you, it's time to beef up or get out. And Madsen suggests that they buy them out and says, I respect you, Logan. And I want to have you kind of save face. We'll make a really nice deal. It's going to be really good for you. Uh, Roman's going to be in a great position. He can be sort of the figurehead of the family. Um, but if this is a family thing, uh, I get it. And Logan would normally react with fuck off to all of this, but he's listening to Madsen here. And especially when he said, if it's a family thing, I get it. And you can definitely see it in hindsight, like having rewatched this, you can see Logan's like, actually, what is my, family like mm. and is definitely considering uh asks roman to go back to the family and he stays on uh to chat with um chat with madsen here um so yeah uh neil this is uh logan kind of showing a little bit of a different side to him here where he's he's actually starting to consider selling very much so yeah i think it, it's dawning on logan the real the reality of the situation and the fact that he's kind of old media and the stock prices and all of that thing it, it, i th- i feel like the character is cutting through his own um stubbornness and intransigence here and it goes back in a way i feel to um him, he won't forgive um, Shiv for making that deal that gave the extra board seats, and yet here he is going to going to allowing the entire company mm-hmm. to be um, uh, bought, and it, it feels it felt to me like if it's Logan's idea, it's a good idea, mm. even if the company's saved by one of his kids or Jerry or whoever else, and he wasn't in on it. Um, and he couldn't be in on it on that occasion because he was, he had the urinary tract infection and he was losing his mind and uh, thought there was a cat, I think, under the chair and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the point I'm trying to grope at is that um, I feel like if he, if he takes ownership of the idea, then it's a good idea. Um, everyone else has failed him, even if they haven't. Yeah, yeah. The- it it ties in with a lot of stuff right at the right at the very at the very end as we'll we'll end up getting to, but it, it's it's that idea that I've I, like I've often wondered this about him in that he doesn't respect them because they didn't have to fight for everything. They're kind of coming they, that is always the thing that is always going to bother him in a way is they don't, that, that deep down he doesn't think any of them deserve it. Like that's really like kind of where he is. Where someone like a Matson, for example, there can be like there's a there's an element of, well, this person is representing like sort of new big tech that's going to come in and take over things, but at the same time they know how to do the they know how business really works and about like the ultra cutthroat aspect. 
he probably sees himself in Madsen more than any of his kids. Like with the with the dick pic thing, it, it's something he'll never get. Um, there's no. that very old school mentality where am I really going to give it to my girl, to a daughter, to a woman? And then right from the beginning, Kendall's never had the the cutthroat nature in him. Although he tries, he's never been that cutthroat. And Connor is Connor. So <laughs> I was going to say, if Logan caught someone typing 58,008 into a calculator and then holding it upside down, he'd kick off. So like what he'd make <laughs> of a dick pic would be like the absolute worst. Sorry, it's a very school, school brand <laughs> joke. <laughs> so Roman heads back to the family. Uh, Shiv is asking, okay, what's happening? This merger of equals, is it going ahead? And Connor's there and is mad that he's not being looped in. He he he's part of the family. He's he's running to be president. He should know about these things. Uh, Kendall then arrives uh, wearing still some of his bling from his birthday, mm. <laughs> um, and sits with the family. They tell him they love him. Um, this is essentially an intervention. They're worried about him. Uh, Connor straight up says, "You've got to stop trying to kill Pop. You're being selfish." You been a dick um kendall says look i hear you uh i hear you um but my my intentions were good but i think a lot of this is based on uh your own shit as well but i am listening um but do you understand how it feels as the oldest son to be promised something and then that's all taken away and and roman and shiva like listening to him like yeah I, i get it i get it and connor however is furious. He says, I'm the oldest son. And he's angry because he didn't know about this merger. And what if he wants to take over? What if he wants to take over the whole thing? And Kendall goes, we're talking about what I've lost here. And Connor says, well, I didn't see pop for three years. It's not all about you. I love you, but all I get is chump change from you guys. I proposed to my fiance and no one even said, congratulations. I am the oldest son. You do. Connor's a bit of a div a lot of the time, but when he wants to be, you you understand why he gets worked up, and and the fact that it's always these three bickering, and he has a bit more of a a simple life, and it, well, a very wealthy simple life, but a simple mm. way of looking at things. And I I do like when you find see him kind of grow a bit of a backbone and be like, hey, let's not forget, I'm the oldest son here. Like you guys are morons. Yeah, there's there's a point in that scene where the, the phrase uh, oldest son or firstborn son comes up and there's just a lovely little direct, directorial mm. move where it just zooms in on his face before and then the scene breathes a little bit more before he speaks up but you get but you as the viewer you know cotton on immediately he's the oldest son you know so it's it, it is weird to see the other two just kind of because it's, I guess they've got the same mother, you know, and they had a, they came up together a bit, a little bit more, um, not acknowledge that. Um, so yeah, I was kind of with Connor here. Yes, you want? Sim- sorry. Yeah, go for it. No, I was going to say it was like it made me then often think about well, it'd be interesting to know more about the dynamics with what I'm assuming is Logan's first wife and and Connor's mother and and you know what happens there and I'm assuming for three years there might have been you know various things while he lived in England with his with his new wife and and, and the rest of it so I think there's there's like kind of fast there's always that aspect to the to the background even you know with uh with Kendall's kids as well like there's lots of things that we just kind of it's there 
again, it's never going to be forgotten about. It's going to come up, but they kind of like to raise it. And Connor's like this fan, like, you know, it's, it's interesting. The idea that if you hold like, say just around 1% of like a, a presidential candidate vote, that's really impressive in the right. It's 4 million people, but to them, it's just, it's not power, mm. which is always the thing about, uh, about Connor that at the very beginning of the show, like, you know, in the first season, he's not about power. He's not interesting. He doesn't want to get involved in it as well, but then he's been suckered into a lot of this. And I think it's the thing that he now feels like, well, I'm thought of as somewhat of a joke and, you know, the, the whole engagement thing and everything else, which again, we'll come to in a little bit, but mm. you know, it's, it's, it's the most depressingly kind of, romantic way of getting uh, engaged to someone isn't it <laughs> well yes <laughs> he now con goes off and is just unloading on willa just uh saying about his family about like just being depressed about it all really and willa calls him a nice man and then just says fuck it <laughs> he's like sorry fuck it like fuck it i'll marry you and they seem all happy and i just love the shot as they're getting into the door and there's the little crack between the door just before it closes where you see Willa's face like oh what the fuck did I let myself in for here yeah I'm not convinced this decision's gonna stick in season four it's but, interesting because uh, we see a lot less of these two than the rest of the characters um and, and you wonder how important they they are in the in the grand scheme of things um but it, they, they're always entertaining when they're there and I am am curious to find out more about these two but the, he's Connor's massively affected by all of this, but without ever kind of playing a role in the direction of it. So he mentions at one point, like he d- he won't have ATN news if it, if there's a buyout, and that's his fear because he was relying on ATN to basically spread propaganda for him as a as a as a presidential candidate. And you kind of realise, like as with a lot of things, like during the play, about how ultra reliant he is on everything else without really knowing any of what they actually do. And um, yeah, him and him and Willa's relationship, which it kind of shouldn't work in dramatic purposes. This mm. should be the kind of stuff that you really kind of find yourself disliking one of the characters, but you don't, you kind of see how she has ended up in this situation and how he is there. And inevitably at some point there'll be a journalist who does find out about her, her sex worker past. And at that point, I imagine things to start sort of exploding all over again. But what's strange is, is this relationship is way less fucked up than Tiv and uh, Shiv yeah. and Tom's, who are who are more the traditional couple here. Yeah. Um, but it does seem to kind of work for both of them, uh, and I think that's why she is like, "Fuck it!" Like I'm, I'm with this guy all the fucking time anyway. Why not? Why not? Mm. Uh, Greg uh, wants Tom to distract to distract Comfrey as he's going over to talk to the Contessa. Um, who he reveals is eighth in line for the for Luxembourg for the throne in Luxembourg, and Tom says a great line: "You're a plane crash away from being the weirdest king." Um, <laughs> but yeah, Greg is becoming a little bit of a player these last couple of weeks. Ever since the birthday party, he's definitely um, got grown some confidence when it comes to the ladies here, and is trying to get in with some royalty. Greg is wonderful. I, th- I feel oh. like he's. He's naive, clearly, but he cottons on to these things. You know, when he's told about the dating ladder, and this is news to him. Um, and I think we all know, you know, in our la- in our own lives, guys, you know, people who punch above their weight or whatever else, you know, and 
or how when people get attached, somehow they become more attractive and all these things sort of go on. Um, so he's like all wide-eyed about that. But then he get, when he gets it, he's trying to make it work for him, you know, and it seems to be in this episode, you know, the Contessa seems into it, into him. Yeah, good for Greg. <laughs> I hope to God this continues. I really yeah, do. Please. And I think is it that, that he finds out later on that she's a, like, She's further up the line to possibly be, like becoming in, in the Italian, which I didn't even know they had a monarchy. <laughs> Still, um, I, good luck I, to him. Go on, Greg. I want to see next season a third girl, a fourth girl. Just see how many how many women can Greg juggle at the same time. British royalty, mate. That's yeah, what, that, that's the way. <laughs> that's next. Royal wedding in the UK. They love coming over here anyway. It <laughs> ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, so it's the. Uh, the uh, we go to oh this is where we see Logan just all the parts are kind of moving around here. Um, Kerry gives him a smoothie. Logan tells Marsha to send his regrets. Uh, we assume that it means he's not going to actually make the wedding. Uh, we see the actual wedding ceremony, and cousin Greg is sat between the Contessa and Comfrey. I would be sweating. If I was if I was chatting to two girls at the same time and they're either yeah. side of me, I would not feel as calm, cool, and collected as Greg is here. Um, and I love the Contessa's like, oh, I love weddings. And he's like, yeah, me too. And then Comfrey on the <laughs> other side just goes, Jesus, what a scam. He's like, oh, yeah, kill me now. <laughs> almost in this like bad boy voice. Um, he's just wonderful. So the mum and Peter get married uh shiv is giving a speech and she's like oh the first words that came to my head were like shit fuck bitch um totally unprepared uh she's being uh obviously we we've seen in the last episode how kind of fractured their relationship is but she's she's putting out a good speech she's doing the the backhanded compliments but says i'm sure you'll have uh you're a lucky guy and uh, I hope your marriage is as rich and rewarding as mine, um, which really isn't saying a whole lot. And even Tom here is like, really? So Roman is now, uh, sorry, Shiv is concerned about what dad is up to. Why was he not at the wedding? Um, and Connor now shows up with a, with a macaroot and says, have you not been noticing dad's been drinking all these smoothies and talks about the macaroot, how it's, it's uh, it helps you make, and I quote, more potent goop. Uh, <laughs> so it sounds like old man Logan is maybe preparing to have another kid, which uh, the the kids are all kind of a bit concerned at. Is dad losing his mind? He's fucking Kerry. She's old enough to be his daughter. Um, so they're all, all concerned what, what dad is getting up to here. Um Roman now starts mocking Tom about the uh, the kind of frozen babies, like him and Shiv, um, and just saying how like clinical it all sounds, and that that Shiv doesn't really care, and that if she had it her way, that he'd be the one giving birth. And that's when Jerry reveals that Madsen has called a financier. So kind of everything's going on at this point, and the uh, like Shiv and Roman are starting to kind of clue on that maybe maybe something's going on that they're unaware at about um whilst this wedding's happening uh any any comments around this guys 
I kind of enjoyed as Roman was finding out it's, and it's his great acting on Kieran Culkin's part is he pulls a kind of very sort of like tense face because he realizes that obviously from the moment he was sent back from the meeting with Matson, he's been completely, he's been, he's now out of the loop and he doesn't know what's going on. I think it's their realization about this, which for them, I think they've always thought, well, just back dad. And he will effectively pick between us and that Kendall is kind of um, collateral damage as, as part of that. But it's the realisation of, of what is going on. And it's, at the same time, it's kind of like the perfect venue for it because you've kind of got all these like kind of wonderful distractions. But it, it, it's it's the way that then obviously then it, it, it goes to play out. But it's, it. I just love Kieran Culkin in this. And it, it sort of reminds mm. me of those, these, these fine sort of subtle moments. And it has to be said, I mean, like throughout this episode for someone who could be such easily like the biggest one note character, like there's some, there's some great stuff going on from him that should never be lost in all of it. Yeah, I, I agree. And like he, he probably realizes quite early on that what is actually going on, but there's this dynamic with him and Shiv where he wants to have the one up on her. He wants to know something that she doesn't know. He wants to be in the loop with dad uh, obviously, that birthday party episode, he was very much gloating about that. Um, and now he's kind of worried, and it's how long it, he plays it off before he does have to reveal to Shiv what is happening and kind of put that aside and be and kind of admit defeat in a way. Um, because, yeah, he plays it quite a bit of time before he admits to Shiv um, they were talking about selling. Yeah. And we've got that. Uh, as you mentioned, the the comment to Tom, which is just mm. one more little seed in what uh, what happens at the end, you know, um, Tom's kind of dawning realization of what his relationship is really, really all about. The Contessa tells Greg that she's thinking of maybe giving some of her excess wealth to environmental charities. And Greg's a bit concerned here. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Environmental charities, um, not Greenpeace, right? And she's like, no, not Greenpeace. He's like, good. I've got beef with Greenpeace. They're bad. And Roman comes to try and like break them up. And Greg, no de no, my friend, uh, says that actually she's kind of interested and, and calls him a self-admitted sexual pervert. And the Contessa is just looking at the two being like, you're a, you're a really weird family. Uh, but you're right, as we said earlier, that the Contessa definitely does seem to be interested in weird Greg. Yeah, she has to play a big part in this, for this going on as well. And and the idea of Greg getting one up on um, on a um, Roman. Roman as well, particularly because he's so mm-hmm. distracted with everything else, it's kind of great. But it's, and then it, 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 it's, it, it's, but it also I was thinking on this, well, Greg having a relationship with the Contessa is something that I could see being like a kind of a plausible thing that goes kind of like quite a long way. Whereas with Roman, obviously he's completely unable to have any kind of normal relationship, uh, romantic relationship with anyone because he's just absolutely all over the shop. Greg just has an amazing way of just landing on his feet. Like at, at the beginning of yeah. the season, when when Kendall really has Logan against the ropes, he's on Kendall's side and then just jumps at the perfect time to be with Logan. And now while all this other shit's going on, he's getting himself a, a beautiful royal girlfriend as the rest of the characters are all self-destructing and somehow manages to be in the company at the end as well. Like 
as mm-hmm. the bottom of the top with 20 Greggs underneath him. So uh, he's, he's come a long way since getting stoned in that car and puking up in the suit, hasn't he? he really? Has. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like if I. I wouldn't mind being Greg in this whole situation, just mm. floating floating by it, somehow getting these promotions during it all. Um, all right. Thought I might go to prison for a little bit, but I, I'd be Greg over some of these other characters, to be honest. That was another one. I mean, when um when they met when Greg and Tom met at the diner, and you know, because mm. Tom's in training to go to prison. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, Greg manages to to Sweet talk, Tom, into just, you know, being another thing to hang on the Christmas tree, as as they put it. So, yeah, Greg Lowkey is the great survivor here. And, if, you know, I've heard John Pollock's theory that, you know, in, in the be-all, end-all of this show, he'll be the one standing tall. If he does, he'll probably blunder his way into it rather than through rather than through any kind of master plan. But um, you could see it. He, he seems to lead a bit of a charmed existence Um well, since since uh, the puking in the <laughs> the theme park yeah. in episode one. So now Roman and Shiv are trying to get hold of Carl and Frank, uh, who say that they're back in New York, um, but they're they're not. They they know they're lying to them. They fear they're being fucked, and this is where Roman reveals that Madsen uh, was wanting to buy out. So they go right. We we've got to sort this out, and they go to grab Kendall. Uh, but Kendall's not interested. He's kind of done with all this, this business, this family business stuff. Um, he doesn't want anything to do with it. But you can hear kind of the fear and desperation in Shiv's voice. She says, this is fucking important. So they go for a walk. And uh, I mean, this might be my favorite scene of the, the entire s- series, to be honest. Um, Shiv and Roman are kind of going back and forth to each other um, about what's happening and the company being potentially sold and Kendall just asks him to do it without him. He doesn't want to get into it. And Shiv asks, do you have an angle? Have you been speaking with Matson? Which Kendall just laughs off and then sits on the ground and says, Shiv, I'm not here. And, and Shiv and Roman kind of stop what they're doing. And Shiv actually sounds concerned for him for once. Whereas we had the, the intervention earlier where it's like, Oh, we love you. We're, we're concerned about you. It sounded pretty hollow, whereas just the way um, the way they played it here, you could hear there was kind of more genuine shit. Something's wrong. Um, Kendall says there's something really wrong with him. He says he doesn't feel connected to his children or his endeavors, and he can't get anything right. Uh, he tried to do something, and Roman goes, yeah, but you, you fucked it. And Kendall kind of laughs it off. And says, I thought I could see a way out and that I could take all of us out of it, but I'm not a good person. And this is where Kendall confesses to uh, the killing of the waiter, says uh, he was high and drunk and fucked up. And we were driving and the kid thought he saw something and grabbed the wheel and they went into the water and he left him there and, and he just ran. And he starts to cry and says, it's fucking lonely. And... Roman is now trying to say, well, it sounds like the, the kid killed him. He grabbed the wheel and was like, no, don't, don't um, make excuses for this. I'm a piece of shit. Um, and then says that he tried to help. He says that he dived in. Did it's been a while. Did we see this? I, I don't remember him. Yes. He did try and dive in. Okay. He did. I think, I think maybe twice before right. 
he then just um you see him running through the sort of bull rushes you mm. know back toward the castle um but yes he it, it, that's true he does try to dive in and rescue the kid so keep Roman, calling him a kid but the kid, yeah. Yeah. yeah so Roman's like saying well you you did more than I'd do I'd have just ran it sounds like you're a hero you were trying to trying to save him and he keeps Roman Roman is still making the like the like snide jokes and stuff but never with so much heart as he's doing here he's doing it as a dis- like a distraction whereas other times he's trying to cut someone down belittle them whereas here every time he's kind of uh making one of his romanisms if you will uh he's doing it out of love and it, it was quite quite amazing to watch he's saying oh well, that explains the shitty service at the wedding i i waited three quarters of an hour to get a gnt and and this is what we do you know when when you see someone who's sad about something you 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 try and time it and make that joke where they they do laugh and they're still crying and i i thought it just felt so real this scene and it's yeah. it's as if shiv there's a realization upon shiv and roman why kendall's been such such a fuck up this last year um that it all makes sense and and kendall just saying can i be with you guys uh i thought it was so beautiful and they're they're walking off the three of them um yeah i i just thought all three were fucking fantastic in this scene yeah this is i think this is one of the high points of the overall series because it hits every again talking about hitting notes perfectly for this you've got jeremy strong kind of completely looking like a broken man in there you've got um kieran culkin kind of really straddling a fine line between like you say he's he's saying these kind of very dark dark jokes in all but at the same time he's doing it in a sympathetic way like he calls him an irresponsible you're not a killer you're an irresponsible uh if that's even a word and that is like you know his way of doing it and i think they put their hands on him as well yeah he's like kind of sat there in the circle like looking like kind of dusty and it's 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 at that point that when push comes to shove like they they're the ones who kind of know each other the best and they're the ones who kind of growing up in these unique circumstances. And I think there's probably times where they just all forget that, that like they're, that almost in a way they've been kind of forced into this com- contest with each other, that they're like in this King Lear type way for their father's love. At the same time, they've kind of forgotten who they are and, and it's just pitch perfect. And even at the end when Shiv has to go off and take the phone call from Laird and, um, and Roman says, he's like, oh, right, you leave me, with the emotional one yeah like at that point. I mean, it's, <laughs> again like if he said something nice and put his arm around him that wouldn't feel like yeah. roman no but this is Roman. this is how you believe they deal with the situations and at some point he was going to come he was going to come clean to them anyway and it felt like this is like the best way of how they how they dealt with it and you know and how he ends up getting the kind of i don't know getting his, his brother and sister's um empathy yeah. And it's I, don't go no, yeah. it's just to agree that th- this is probably the strongest, best. Um, I don't know how you quantify it, seen in the entire series, um, all seasons, everything about it. It's like a, the, all of the artifice of of uh the, the high life, the 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 you know, the billionaire family, they're by the bins out the mm. back. Um it begins with Kendall smoking a fag, just like anybody would, you know, you know, <laughs> at the back of some place having a cigarette. 
they're covered in dust. Um, the, the company's being taken away. So here we have them as kind of actual human beings um, outside of all of that corporate shenanigans. And um, Kieran Culkin, I think, is just, it's, it's like, this was described, I believe, somewhere in an interview as, you know, that this scene doesn't work. The stool doesn't stand up without all three legs, and it's 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 not Jeremy Strong carrying it. Mm. It is all three of them, and um, I also understand that they 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 took all day getting this right. And um, I think this is on the HBO podcast. They the, there's a there's a brief discussion about this. Jesse Armstrong is very reticent to explain anything. It's kind of maddening, you know, because you want to know <laughs> what's going the inner life of these people, but. He 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 wants people just to take their own um, interpretation of it, but um, the three of them are wonderful. And you know, as as JP said, if if um, Roman like had opened his arms wide and given Kendall a big hug, you as the viewer would go, "This is this isn't the character that I've come to know through this series. This is his way of showing love, though. I think you know, mm-hmm. and trying to kind of pull him up a little bit." With the, you know, the incredibly dark humor, and uh, the jokes and so on, it's it's but it's 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 so pitch perfect and and played so well by all three of them. Even when they're working off, uh, walking off, he's like Roman's like slapping his head and like pushing him, like he's not embracing mm-hmm. him. But that that wouldn't make sense. I think it's the first time in probably the whole show where none of these characters have an agenda. Mm. They're, they're they're rushed against time. They've got to stop this mm. this deal from happening. Yet they take this moment, and and Kendall isn't playing any of this for sympathy, which we normally see. He's like trying to emo- emotionally manipulate people. Um, Shiv is you always see the cogs working, and like that scene with Jerry last week where she's pretending to be sympathetic for oh you're getting these these dick pics and stuff, but it's it's really to push to get Jerry out the way. And uh, same with Roman. And it's the first time that all three, there's there's no other agenda. It's like mm. our brother is in a crisis and we're a family. Uh, it's, yeah, I could go on. This this scene is just so good. Um, but they, they now have to put that behind them for a sec because uh, they're going to go and take down dad. So they're, all three of them in, are in the car and they're talking about their plan. Uh, Roman still thinks he's kind of got an in, still thinks he's kind of buddy-buddy with Madsen and Logan and says, I don't think we should be too aggressive. I think I should go in there and talk about it. And uh, Kendall says that um, actually that they can't do anything without us because uh, part of the divorce, uh, mum got them them shares in the company and, and place on the board, so they can't do anything without them. And uh, so they're going to push him out. They're going to do a full coup, uh, say that he's gone, gone crazy, that he's, he's fucking his assistant and, uh, and that, yeah, he's, he's not fit to, to make these decisions and they'll get him out and they'll divide the company between them. Uh, one will be CEO, one will be uh, like the, the, the board, the head of the board, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Shiv and Kendall are completely on board with this. And you just see Roman kind of squirming reluctantly. And, and it's Shiv who finally says, like, 
he'll never take you seriously. He's never going to take you seriously. It's never going to be you. He thinks there's something wrong with you. Um, And they go, well, how do we feel about killing dad? And, and Kendall goes, pass me the fucking shotgun. And Roman's like, uh, okay, let's go. Um, So yeah, you think, you think at this point, the kids have the juice they're going in. They're going to take down dad. It's going to be the three of them leading the charge, moving into season four. Um, they're all getting on their phones. Uh, Shiv calls Tom, uh, telling him everything that they're going to do. And Tom asks, where do I fit in this? And she's like, uh, high up, Tom. You'll be high up. And you can see Tom isn't really convinced at where he plays a part in all this. And that takes us to Greg and Tom. Uh, and Greg tells Tom that it's going really well with the Contessa, that they're hitting it off, that he's probably going to be royalty pretty soon. Um, <laughs> and Tom says, I have a plan and uh, I want you to come on board with me. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I want you to be my attack dog, my Greg Weiler. And... Uh, and Greg's like, oh, I, I, I don't know. And and Tom basically says, you're a fucking joke. Um, you, you fucked it up in front of Congress. Uh, and no one in this family has ever looked after you. Who in this family has ever looked after you? And you realize as mean as Greg is, uh, sorry, as Tom is to Greg, he, he does seem to have his best interests in mind a lot of the time, even with the bullying. It's something that uh, is you can't say about his mum. Certainly he, she's, he, she's only shipped him off to this company for money for the family. Cause she's broke. The granddad doesn't care about him. He just cares about taking down Logan and can use mm. Greg for that. Um, most of the others don't even notice he's there. And Tom is the only one who's been really looking out for him and says, how do you feel about heading away from the endless middle towards the bottom of the top? And Greg's eyes kind of lift, lit, light up. He says, can I get my own? And Tom goes, your own, Greg? You can have 20. Do you want to deal with the devil? Greg says, what would I do with a soul anyway? <laughs> Just another wonderful scene between these two. And what a line. What would I do with a soul anyway? It's so much going on here. Uh, Tom has obviously reached the end of his tether. We don't quite realize that mm. until the end of the show, but there's been so much building up. And I think really from the moment where uh, he and Shiv are doing dirty talk and her Mm. version of dirty talk is telling him that she doesn't love him. And then she doesn't really take it back afterwards. And I think this is marinating with, with, with uh, Tom and um, this kind of, you know, where do I fit in? Uh, Well, somewhere is just, uh, the final straw for him, and yes, he has been there for for Greg. He, he uh, like we kind of alluded to earlier on, was going to go to prison for Greg's wrong do- part mm. in the wrongdoing. You know, so yeah, team team Tom and Greg. <laughs> it is it, their relationship is obviously like fantastic. You know, to them going and out on the the kind of them going out together was it for for Greg's birthday and and, and the rest of it. And he ends up eating mm. twice. Um, I don't know why that sticks in my head, but <laughs> it, it's been it's been Tom's journey has been absolutely phenomenal. I, I 
agreeing with Neil there in terms of like when was the point that he kind of reached the end of his tether. I mean, you think back to the end of the first series and he didn't want to hear any of it from Greg when Greg was the one who was like kind of being as a, a friend as much as anything else. And I think what Tom gets from this is he gets to kind of really be himself and kind of say what he thinks to Greg while still being within the kind of family unit. Whereas the others, it's the realisation of he could have gone to jail for them, they wouldn't have cared. When it came to having children, it's about artificial insemination and she's already planning what the terms, the custody terms he would have when they inevitably mm. get divorced. There's all of these things where like he realises how kind of toxic this is. And it's, I haven't spoken as much about Sarah Snook throughout this, but like her development as a character over the series, as someone who has, who has really become very, very dark and very, very nasty and it's really strange because by the kind of end of this with Tom, you'll completely understand why he does this, mm -hmm. even though it might seem like, you know, ridiculous that he's got, he's got a plan in sort of taking down his own wife, but it's the realization that it's not like she's going to ever going to save him. Like it'd be out of a kind of like misguided loyalty that he would do this. Whereas Greg kind of feels like he is genuinely loyal to him and mm -hmm. like actually would do stuff for him, even though like, you know, they have a, a bullying relate. They have a bullying, bully, bullier relationship uh, between them as well. I mean, it's again, and it's coming. It's so quick. How long is this scene? It's like less than a minute. There's so much going on. You stick mm -hmm. with it. Matthew McFadden's face throughout this as well as as a kind of real realization of what exactly he's going to have to do in order to to do this. And it it's at the beginning of the episode we were talking about the rewatchability of this show and things you pick up. Uh, JP, was it the show I did with you, perhaps, where there was that conversation where Tom says about the, was it uh, some, some like ancient Greek or whatever who Sporos pushed, Sporos pushed his wife down the stairs and castrated his his like slave boy and married him and said, "I would marry you, I'd castrate you and marry you in a second, Greg." And here he's he's pushing Shiv down the stairs essentially. And go getting into bed with Greg here, um, and it's just one of those things where at the time you go, oh, it's just it's just another ridiculous scene between Tom and mm. Greg, but it it has so much more weight to it now yeah. and makes so much more sense. Yeah, it's incredible because th those scenes, um, in large part throughout all three seasons, have been the the comic relief really <clears throat> from the sort of high corporate drama, but. Um, Yes, all that stuff about Nero and um, Sporos and stuff. Yes, suddenly it it all comes together. And it makes sense. And I want I too wanted to mention uh, the the Shiv character and Sarah Snook because we've touched on uh, how rewatchable this show is. Um, and when the third se season was coming back on, I did rewatch it. I had watched it originally, and. What sticks in my mind with the Shiv character is that she is kind of at the beginning. She she's actually referred to, I think, by a straight by a relative stranger as the nice one. You're meant to mm. be the nice one in this season. That's right. And she kind of begins that way. She is a shrewd operator, clinical, all of the bit ruthless in the political uh, arena. But yeah, I mean, she's she's the one who starts out outside the, the family firm. She's on the left side of the political spectrum. Um, yes, she can be, as I said, very clinical, but 
the the JP hit the nail on the head with the word darkness. I think in this season particularly, mm. she just gets worse and worse. I <laughs> think you know almost by the end here, um, she, she she's coming across as you know they're all kind of horrible people in their way. Um, that's what the show is. It's a trope about this show. But um, yeah, I think that there's a bit of a descent into into almost you know the worst of this of the siblings possibly yeah by Shiv, yeah, um, by the end of this series feels like she's less least least honest of all of them at that point mm-hmm. yeah yeah the other two are yeah completely you, you can always see everything Shiv says you just you know it's you know what her agenda is and you mm. know it's it's only to serve her whereas the other two more uh, maybe a bit more explicit about it. Kendall, Kendall, especially. Um, but it, it's definitely something we've seen grow and grow this mm. season. Uh, before we move on, guys, would you rather be in the endless middle or bottom of the top? Bottom of the top. That's what I aspire to fantasy league wise. So <laughs> like, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go with that in real life as well. What does that mean? Scraping through in fourth, make it to Europe? Is that bottom of the top? Uh, very much like Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like barely getting into Europe, if that, and yeah. not last year as well. So, Neil? Well, fi- financially sound footing, so you know, there's that. You know. yeah. <laughs> I think possibly the bottom of the top, um, there's, there's something, you know, where you're not under that much scrutiny, but perhaps, you know, you can um, have some of the trappings of, a, of the good life. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Of course, it depends. Like all these things, it depends. I, I know nothing about the corporate world, so <laughs> <laughs> I will say, at, at school, I was bottom of the top set of maths, and that ah. did me no favors. I'd have been way better being top <laughs> of the middle. Uh, yeah, they just went at the speed of the fu- of the like the best kids. So I was like, I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing with this triangle. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so Shiv, Roman and Kendall are, are kind of getting to the boardroom. They're going to take down their dad. Uh, Kendall sees uh, kind of Logan's big security guy who was intimidating him earlier in the season. And I like this time. I was like, Kendall, no, I got this. Just says, we're going in. And you hear uh, Logan's voice say, come in, come in. And Roman and Shiv enter first and Kendall behind him. So Logan looks a little confused, says says what's going on here they say we're feeling about a bit out of the loop uh roman brings up the rumors that they're being bought and they just want some clarity and logan's like yes absolutely i'll give you clarity but not with him in here referring to kendall and says romulus go take him out take him out but all three just stand there and this is where where kieran colkin is possibly at his best because you just see him like croaking almost like really feeling torn um there was the the coup in like season one where roman cracked and just just sided with his dad and you see him here like is he gonna do it again and they say you can tell us together it might be better if we all hear and logan explains that this is the optimal moment to sell and shiv's like well we 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 feel like we'd like to look at it first. He says, no, there's no time. It has to be done now. I feel it in my bones. This is the best time to sell. Um, otherwise, I'll be leaving five bill on the table. 
And Kendall asks, well, what are you going to do with five bill? Just leave it on the pile with your other bill. And Logan says, make your own fucking pile. And that's definitely, I, JP, was it you that said earlier about how um, he feels his kids, yeah, doesn't like that his kids are not making it for themselves. And yeah, yeah and this is very clear. And this is the first time really Logan really acknowledges that. Go and do something for yourself. And so Logan kind of realizes he's lost Shiv and Kendall, but maybe never really wanted them in the first place, but is trying to get Roman on his side and says, son, he rates you. You have my word. You can trust me. And Shiv tells him you can't trust him. Kendall's shaking his head and you see Roman just crumbling, just cowering. And he says, we are here to say the three of us, this is to ask and to say, do not do this, please. And Logan says, what if I decide I can't listen to you? And Shiv and Roman saying, well, we can kill it. We can end this. You need, you need us for this. And Logan loses it, says, you're playing toy soldiers. Go on, fuck off. I have you beat, you morons. And it's revealed that their mum is on the phone and that uh, mummy and daddy have been going over the terms of the divorce agreement. They feel it's antiquated. So, so the kids never, never get their share. And they say, you fucked us, mum. You just slid our throats. And Roman said, it's so good. Uh, he has no angle at all, but just pleads. He says, dad, plead. And Logan's like, well, what have you got in your fucking hand? What have you got for me? says, I don't know, love. You come for me with love. You bust in here, guns in hand, and now you've found they've turned into fucking sausages and you talk about love? You should have trusted me. Why? Because it works. I fucking win. Go on, fuck off, you nosy fucking pedestrians. And storms out, having the kids beat. Uh, I'm just going to finish the scene here and then we can break this all down roman turns to jerry asking can you help she goes i do what's best for the shareholders of the company how does it serve my interests a great callback to earlier in the season how does it serve my interests and then we see tom walking in as logan pats him on the back shiv realizes exactly who sold them out and he just goes Hey, Shiv, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> Tom just like, oh, it's so awkward. Um, and just the visual here, we see now Roman is defeated. He sat on the floor with Kendall with his hands on Roman's shoulders, kind of like the scene earlier, but it, in reverse. And Shiv walks off and we see she's about to start crying as Tom puts his hands on her shoulder, gives her a kiss, and she just gives this death stare as we cut to black and season three ends um wow uh again another sensational scene uh, a lot to unpack uh who wants to kick things off here yeah go for it neil just incredible writing incredible acting i don't know how many times i don't want to know how many times they rehearsed it or did it or you know as a viewer, just absolutely captivating. And, and you know, it, it shows too that that 
family drama can be as just captivating as any kind of, you know, uh, you know, gun to the head mm-hmm. kind of drama. This is, this is the, I mean, these kids are going to be okay. They're, you know, they, they probably have still some um, um, huge amount of money through their, through their mother's, Divorce settlement. They don't have the super majority, but they, I mean, I don't think they're going to be paupers on the street. Mm. And yet, this seems to be. This means everything to everybody in that room, and um, the lines are just yes. Your guns have turned into sausages, and it's just it was just amazing, you know, that you had to hit rewind, watch the whole thing all over again. And I really enjoyed the um, a little callback to. Um, Logan t- telling Tom that he would not forget mm. that Tom had offered to take the rap and go to jail. And I think he squeezed his arm at that in that episode as well. Yeah. Um, so Tom has cashed in basically here with the information. Mm. He's told him what's going on. Logan has sprung into action. I, I, you know, I'm guessing that we're not explicitly told this, but that's what I'm inferring from it. That Logan has got um, what do you call her mother, Caroline? Uh, on Caroline. the um, Caroline on the phone straight away to offer her something particularly sweet. I would imagine to annul the part of the divorce uh, deal. I think that it's house the- a lord seat for your man. Yes, that's right. right. Lord, yes, <laughs> and, there's, and there's one of those fantastic. I, I haven't it written down, but there's a there's a fabulous line that Logan uses about what what his title would be Lord Fuckington of, of yeah. whatever but it's um yes um so this annuls the the part of the divorce agreement that means the kids have to agree a super majority or whatever the hell um they talk about it. I don't pretend to understand the the finer detail of the the financial arrangements but just amazing and uh, yeah it's it's and it's so teed up brilliantly for what's to come you don't know you know where is this going to go in season four and as you said near the start um davy this is not at all the destination i envisaged um when this when the season started jp yeah to to echo that i mean this was just amazing stuff um it it was kind of how you, you for the first time he really told the kids kind of what he thought about them and it's the idea that they all along never knew how truly ruthless he was even though they've seen it for all of these years happening in front of them it's like he doesn't come unprepared he has always something tangible and instead they're going there with oh we'll tell the media that he's gone mad and he's shagging this younger woman it's like no 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 there's something you need something tangible to fight with and there he is and they never knew this all along Brian Cox just absolutely fucking in- incredible here and you know and, and even then he has his own sort of like fair share of um it's difficult because in some ways i found myself kind of even empathizing with him as kind of brutal and awful as he is because he again it was this this kind of realization that these kids are never really going to know what it needs to succeed in business and as neil points out they're all going to be happy and independently wealthy for the rest of their lives and so will generations afterwards um I kind of, I really, when Logan put the hand on Tom, I really smiled mm. because it worked so perfectly mm. with that fucking death stare she gives him afterwards. 
and you, but you just thought you deserved this. Like you really did. You've been mm-hmm. horrible to this man. And yeah. all, all he really is, is effectively a counselor for her. That's what he, he operates as. It's like, you know, use Game of Thrones terminology. He's her hand. That's what he's there for, but it's just there for opinion and for advice. And there's never that level of, of, of respect. So like the scene itself just works out absolutely perfectly. And the fact he gives Roman, who you kind of suspect is always his, his favorite, like Roman, that one last chance of like, look, you've stuck with me so far. You're not going to carry on with it. And yeah, just, just tremendous on like the kind of like they never knew really even Kendall after like his third attempt on this has never, has never like known what his father will do in order to maintain power and control, which is absolutely anything. I mean, as Tom said, a couple of episodes back, I've never seen Logan get fucked. Like I've seen you fuck the back of the diner. Yeah. (laughs) And Tom like is making the smart choice. Like he, it's Logan never gets fucked. But what I love is, is this show you, when I'm trying to explain it to people who've not necessarily seen it, I'm like, everyone's awful. Like there's no nice characters in this, but you start to find elements of things you like about each character. And I think Logan, realistically, it is the right deal to make. Like at his age, like seeing where the business is going and moving more into tech and stuff that he doesn't understand. And this guy seems the right guy for it. And his kids are all fuckwits. Like, it, it makes complete sense. Tom, as we said, how awful um, Shiv's been to him this season. But the fact that you had that scene of the kids coming together uh, with Kendall, like admitting to the, the death of this waiter and stuff, and you're seeing the real humanity in them, and you see throughout these three seasons, Logan always winning. You're kind of on the side of the, the kids going yeah. into it. So, like... I think Logan is completely justified here. Sure, it's quite callous, the whole you come at me with love. Um, but like you get it, but it it's you you can see it completely from both sides. And from being caught up in the moment of the of the episode, I'm definitely on the side of like Roman Kendall and Shiv. And it's only in reflection you go, well, you kind of asked for this. You kind of did have this coming. And Waystar and the shareholders are probably in way better hands now than the three of you trying to run the ship. Absolutely. Yeah. And and this will make no sense to uh, listeners who love this show, but never watched Game of Thrones. But since it was mentioned, I'd be like, this is the Red Wedding. (laughs) The massacre is, uh, you know, not uh, literal. It's, it's, you know the the King Lear character, the the the, the patriarch of the family, kind of killing his kids. Not not mm. you know clearly not literally, but you know you should have trusted me. That's kind of a past tense. You know, it feels like Roman. There's no way back. I, I uh, I'm really really excited to see mm. where we go. Um, and we've a long wait, I guess, to find out. I mean, the my initial sort of reaction is. Roman probably gets on his knees and apologizes. He would be the one to sort of crawl back to daddy immediately. But it felt like here we have, a, you know, the 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 knife is in the 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 hammer has been struck. Whatever silly metaphor you will you want to you want to make, um, Logan is is 
is done with them at this point, all three of them, I think. Mm. That's my reading of it. Where where do you see it going from here? Because it, I mean, the nail seems pretty in the coffin for these three when it comes to the actual company, but we, we do have another season to go. So uh, yeah, JP, where, what, where do you think we go from here? Do, do the three stay together? Are they, are they going to start, are they going to do a vanity fair thing on the whole thing? Like what, where, what do we do? It's well, uh, that's the funny thing, isn't it? You think of their list of options. It's not like they can all go to the DOJ and suddenly they'll do something because like you said at the, at the very start, that storyline, they, they've dealt with it in the way that billionaires deal with it. You pay your fine and you move on, don't you? Mm. Um, reminded me of social network in terms of you, you know, he says like it's a speeding ticket when he has to uh, pay out the, the various lawsuits to all the people. And that's how, how they deal with this. But what I love about this is I don't have a fucking clue. Yeah. where this goes. Mm. And I love that. Like, absolutely. Very rarely do we ever get that in um, in television. And, and if we have had it, like, you know, like shows like The Wire and whatnot have managed to do that and genuinely kind of feel like kind of unpredictable. And this does as well. And like Neil said, it's, it's but it's within a family drama. So you're never going to get the kind of, it, when we're talking about a dramatic season finale, again, if you explain to someone who's never seen this show, just be like, what? They had an argument. Like, what, what the hell's dramatic <laughs> about that? Like, fundamentally. But I don't know. Because you don't know. I don't believe in the kids' capacity to set up something for themselves. Mm. I don't. The only other things I could think is if it relies on Stewie and I can't remember the name of the other guy. Sandy. Sandy and Sandy's daughter. Like, are they going to play into this? Because I'd imagine that they wouldn't be happy about it. It would kind of marginalise them as well. So is there going to be kind of, but it feels like very much the wheels are in motion for, for this is in there. Are they going to have some sort of, I don't know, another 2000s tech bubble collapse or something along those lines that's going to possibly like affect them in some way, shape or form and forces like another restructure of it. I have absolute faith, obviously, in the writers being able to do this. And Jesse Armstrong, I'd just be like, yeah, of course, they'll they'll be able to do this. But that's what I love about this is, if you asked me at the start and you mentioned, um, I think both of you at the start where it's ended up at the end, I wouldn't have had a clue that that's where it's going to, to end up. If you told me that that was an event that was going to happen, I could kind of believe you, but the way the steps we take to get there. So I happily say, I don't have a Scooby what's going to happen next, uh, next series. And I love that. Neil seconded. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, in traditional dr- drama, uh, a television cliffhanger at the end of the series is sort of like, okay, is the person going to die or not? Is X, is, is it, is it just a binary sort of thing? Does somebody survive? Mm. Whatever. Here you've got all sorts of possibilities. You know, is it the three siblings versus everyone? Uh, and to use a wrestling term, can they coexist? And I think <laughs> the answer is probably no. You know, it's, it's, it, <laughs> It's uh, there's they are a mismatched trio, so yeah, there's so many possibilities. Tom and Greg in positions mm. of power, how, th- how that's going to work. Um, uh, like JP said, what you know, what's the future with um, the what's it what the company's called Gojo? Um, Gojo, yeah, yeah, and you know, it's from all sorts of points of view uh, points of view but most importantly i think the interpersonal ones shiv and tom you know is there mm. any coming back for them probably not who knows the the three siblings um 
you know, even side characters. Marsha wanted, you know, a, like a million times better divorce deal earlier in the season because she was so upset with Logan. And yet here he is again with a younger um, girl, seemingly. We never saw it. We've never seen any evidence that the two of them are at it, but mm. know, it seems kind of like as though they are. She might play into it. We do. We do. We don't know it. And uh, like uh, JP said, I'm kind of glad. You know, I, I love that. You know. Yeah. But, uh, who knows? Let's find out. You know? Yeah. No. No idea where it's going. I, I can see maybe time passing by the mm. the time the next one starts. Maybe Logan has his kid, his baby. He's chilling <laughs> with Kerry. Uh, uh, Connor's got to fit into it somehow as well. Mm-hmm. He'll be married. I think there'll be a presidential campaign. It feels like we've kind of torn up for that. Like the, there'll be some aspect mm. of that because it would tie in obviously with the, the kind of um, the episode with the, the kind of horrific, they describe him as kind of, he's, he's not, it's very much like a kind of cold calculating Trump. It's like Trump yeah. meets Ron DeSantis kind of oh, yeah. awful kind of person. I imagine that's going to play into the mix. I could also see the world being expanded because mm. I think so many people love watching this that you could see them, going to various places, obviously, with any restrictions, notwithstanding filming it, and any amount of people saying, yeah, I'd love to be in an episode of this as well. So I I think, like, and that's the thing about this show that I've always liked, is this, they've always got the scope right. They've always made this world incredibly, like, a world that we, we don't often see, but it feels in, incredibly plausible yeah. every step of it. And I think yeah. they're just going to do great things with the with the world building aspect for the for the next series. Yeah. Is it the last series? Are they stopping at four? It's I'm- not. As to my knowledge, that is not uh, decided yet. Jesse mm. Armstrong. It's sort of kind of in his hands. His baby. He's the showrunner and creator, and um, it's mm. going to be up to him. He has said on the record he doesn't know how much of it he has in him, but he's he, he has not said that see that season four will be the final one either. So um I feel five would be a good number. And I think yeah. definitely I, I think we saw it a bit between season two and this one starting, but I think between season three and season four, I think so many people who haven't been watching this show will be on board and caught up yeah. and ready to go yeah. for season four. So I think from a financial point of view, they'll probably want to do another two. And I think five's a, a good a good number. I'm with you in that. And I think you can have five series. You've got if we think of the modern day kind of um mini like kind of mini series as as a as a book, as a novel, mm. it feels like it's the optimum length. Yeah. Like you never want to go down it's very easy to start jumping the shark when you're getting into six, seven, and eight. I think of the the shows that I've liked have tended to go around five, six series really like kind of thinking that that's that's the length of time this story needs to be told and i also think as well it gives a bit of focus to the writers knowing that there's an end game that you're working towards mm. um and you can have you can go okay where where are we going to end up with all of these characters in there as well so i mm. think then it, it gives it like kind of a necessary direction of know they're getting to the end and and it avoids the kind of inevitable burnout i used to watch yeah. walking dead but jesus christ it yeah. never ends no i yeah, yeah i tapped out with that one yeah same here, exact same experience with The Walking Dead. I loved it at the beginning. And by the millionth time they'd upped sticks and moved to a new camp and one of the major <laughs> characters that you loved got killed, I just was like, ah, I already. Yeah. I There was some guy with a lion or a tiger and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. 
I saw who they killed off in the cliffhanger and then I'm like, now there's a lion in the show now. I've had enough. Um, quickly, before we go, um, how long do you think it'll be before this final scene is all over wrestling internet with Vince's face superimposed on Logan? You've got Stephanie McMahon, Triple H and Shane pleading, <laughs> do not sell to Nick Khan. It's done. I it's feel it's pro- happening. I feel it's, it's probably coming. already. It's probably already <laughs> out there, David. Yeah. You just haven't noticed it. It feels like we've had with with WWE that we've had succession over a kind of twenty year period playing out very slowly. And except the main concept is is that they run a awful television show, <laughs> um, and, and and it feels like we we've had this kind of psychodrama with Shane and Stephanie and Triple H before, but Nick Khan is very much come in and is giving Vince those smoothies and is <laughs> angling up there with Disney or NBC or someone like that as well. You know, you could you could see that happening. And maybe The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, will get involved in some sort of minority way if he took over. Like, I don't know, like either Stewie or, or Matson or Sandy or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So The Rock gets to fuck over Triple H in the end, <laughs> which would be a glorious way. I don't know He's where like, I've thrown him into the mix in running the company. But, Triple know. H is like, I just wanted that match at WrestleMania 33. No, I'm I'm buying your company. <laughs> uh, the Rock always liked Brett. You know, I'll, I'll always think he'll never he'll never forgive those lads for that. Like, yeah. Well, that brings us to an end of the sesh. Uh, this was great. I mean, we're, we're definitely uh, I definitely want to do this again next season i'm sure i'm gonna have even more people to draw upon to join me uh on the shows but you two i'm i'm already booking in i'll st- i'll already put the call out if you want to come back for for season two of the sesh uh season four of succession i think it must be talked about um can, but- can I, david can i just say at this point that you know i should have said this at the beginning it's it's, it's a, re- a genuine pleasure to be on with the two of you yeah. you know that um, I, I hope you you know this. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of both of you. I love Grapple Spotlight. I'm a I'm a patron of of Grapple, patron of World Champion. Yes, of uh, of Up Next. So I feel a bit like the third wheel here. You know, I, I'm no, I'm normally just the consumer. You know, the guy who listens or whatever and occasionally calls in. So an absolute pleasure to be with you know. Two people who I really, really rate very, very highly and listen to a great deal, you know. So thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure, like getting to chat to you. And and uh, I I loved our review of uh, Love Simon. We did all that time back on the mm-hmm. on the Patreon and of Star Trek this year. So it, it's always Not fun. Not so much. <laughs> so no. it's it's always fun chatting to you, Neil. And I and I do love your perspective on on everything, whether it be wrestling or or drama and stuff. And it it's great to be able to talk about other stuff other than just wrestling all the time. Exactly. I, I mean, I have to say it's the first time I recorded Neil and it absolutely like, it was great. Want to get recording with you more, mate. Honestly, it was, it was, I absolutely okay. love this. And, and <laughs> Davey, like you've done an amazing job with, with this series. So congratulations yeah. in, Thank in you. getting that done. Cause it's, it's never an easy thing. I am terrible at hosting and like, I honestly to God, like you, you do a tremendous job and it's, it's just brilliant to do. So yeah, obviously would, would come back 
the the next series. And if you no, decide to do retro ones to catch people up in the meantime, eh? Just throwing it mm. out there. Oh boy, I maybe if Braden gets on board, uh can can go back Why to hasn't the he? I think he wants to. I, I I think he's going to. Uh Good. he's his his attention with TV series, it, it it's gotta take something <laughs> uh something pretty special. But uh, I think we'll get him on board with this one. Um, not to prolong, not to prolong the show too too much because I know we've we've put in some time here, but I do feel there's almost a cycle. Uh, there must be a name for this. There's a psychological condition where, if people are in your ear telling you this show is fabulous, you must watch this. I had this with The Wire, and some people telling me The Wire's the best show ever ever mm. on television. You must watch it. And just this little rebellious voice, and I said, "Fuck you! I'm not, I'll watch what I like, you know." Yeah. And, everything. and I, I eventually did watch it, but um, I feel like that can happen with the wire breaking bad when you're told to watch something because it's so good. Often I- you go, eh. so maybe Braden's just he needs to come around to it on his own terms, you know. I feel there's a sweet spot. There's like that right at the beginning when you when you're hearing mumblings and a couple of people are telling you, "Oh, this the show's really good." You want to get in, and then you feel like you've kind of been there since the beginning. But it, it's true. Once you've had so many seasons and people are telling you, it's like I still haven't seen The Wire. I've I, I've tried season one a few times, and it mm-hmm. it's. I'm not saying it's bad. I just I can't like get on with I understand. it. Understand? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I really want to. I really want to kind of get over the hill so I get to it where I'm like, oh, I've got to watch the next episode, got to watch the next episode. But um, I I try and sell people on Better Call Saul because I'm like, you love Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul is fantastic and got to get on board. But it's like, oh, no, I don't know. Didn't really like that character too much. It's like, oh, it's good TV. But there is definitely that rebellious part of people. It's the same with these fucking vaccines. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, yeah. It is. It's the same thing with fantasy league players. It's like, fuck you. I'm not, sign- I'm not signing Rafinha. I don't care if he's on a run and he's taking penalties in that lead side. And you live to regret it. Yeah. Well, that brings us to a close. Uh, JP, uh, where can everyone find you? What have you got going on? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, before this, we just recorded the weekend show on the um, on the Grapple Patreon, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Uh, we've got Spotlight on Monday. We've got Ask Grapple the Monday after, which I think is the 27th. That's normally dangerous because we're live on YouTube. And last year, I basically got so drunk, I don't remember the end of it. Oh, that was a great show. (laughs) It's terrifying. I've got the fridge is stocked up with beer. So I feel feel like I'm on a kind of general cold turkey for that. We've got that as well as um, some information. I think think we've titled it the Grappies. So we're going to be using Grapple to get awards for the years and come up some... We've already decided on one kind of unique award, which is um, either the Randy Orton Award or the Gentleman's Three Award for the most three-star wrestler of the year Mm. using the (laughs) Grapple app, who is closely getting three stars overall and how many Mm. three-star matches. And Gareth loves the statistic, so this is just manna from heaven for him. So we're going to be doing a fair bit of recording. We're looking to do like the kind of Grappy Awards as well, and that'll be a lot of that'll be on the Patreon as well. So Love it. And Neil, I don't want you to spoil anything, but I, I'm hoping I get to hear your voice this Christmas day once again. I don't um, know what you're... Okay, all right. Don't know um, what you mean. But where can we find you, Neil? Well, if you, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, or, or maybe it was pre-recording, I, I, I have a job in in the sort of governmental sector, so my uh, so I'm subject to a social media policy. So um, my Twitter 
is there. It, it's, I even managed to get my my real name and all of that, but it's exceptionally boring because I just shy away from anything controversial. But if you want to see some retweets of cool stuff, it's at Neil Flanagan, and it's uh, Neil spelt with an A, and F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. Lovely. Well, thanks for chatting with me, guys. Uh, we'll sign off there. Um, we've got all our shows coming out on the Patreon. Uh, we've got our our best match of the year, uh, part one, coming out on New Year's Eve this year. Uh, we've got our review of Home Alone coming out with John Pollock. We've just had our Jack Off week where we talked about Jack Frost 1997 and Jack Frost 1998 and compared <laughs> them and decided what is the ultimate Jack Frost film. Uh, more episodes of Was Next in the archive, looking back at, back at classic NXT. Plenty of music reviews. It's only $5. Go and get it for yourself for this Christmas. Patreon.com slash up next. And that brings us to an end. And I want you to join me with this one, guys. Goodbye. Be safe. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry boy. Merry Christmas. powerhouse you host the dinners shovel neighbors sidewalks and make everything from scratch you definitely don't need help making the holidays happen but duncan's holiday blend coffee a warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt especially the hot caffeinated kind america runs on duncan present participation may vary limited time offer terms apply whether it's Kroger Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Kroger has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 